All right, tonight, um, we're going to talk about risk. How do you respond to risks that show up in your life or potential risks? Are you someone who's generally generally comfortable taking risks? Are you um, a risk taker? Or are you, like me, pretty risk averse? Uh, Left to my own devices, I tend to shy away from risk. My kind of natural tendency is to try to mitigate risk. Uh, I seek and create comfort, and then I stay there. Like, we've, we've got this comfortable little place. Why would we go outside of that? Everything's good. Uh, I have a deep-seated fear of failure. That's kind of like my fundamental... I mean, I have a lot of problems, but that's one of the fundamental problems in my life. Uh, so I, I tend to stay away from risks, especially if I'm not paying attention. Like a lot of the therapy I've done over the years, all of it always comes back to this central fear of failure. Um, so I try not to risk because if I don't take risks, I, I won't fail, right? But the times when I am at my best, the times when I love my life, the times when I feel the most alive, the times when I feel closest to God, um, and I feel uh, more, most aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit, when I feel like I'm living most true to who God created me to be are those times when I'm willing to take risks. And that's... No coincidence. If we're serious about following and joining and being led by the Spirit, we're going to have to, if if we're serious about wanting to grow into the people that God created us to be, taking risks that the Spirit leads us towards is going to have to be a part of our lives. Risk has to be a part of our lives if we want to follow the way of Jesus. To talk a little bit about Um, or to show you kind of what we're talking about tonight, we're going to be reading uh, this story in Matthew that happens right at the start of Jesus's ministry. After Jesus has grown up, right before the three years that he goes out and kind of changes the face of the world forever, uh, there's this little scene where um, he runs up to his cousin John, who is baptizing people at the Jordan River. So this is Matthew 3, starting at verse 13. Jesus then appeared, arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him, but John objected. I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. (laughs) God's work, putting things right, all of these centuries is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. So right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we have this beautiful scene that should remind you, should sound similar, something we talked about two weeks ago when we started this series, starting right back in the first two verses of Genesis, where we talked about the spirit of God hovering over the chaos, the waters, the formless void right before, right at the moment of creation. We talked about how the spirit in that creation story is being alluded to or described to as being a a bird brooding over her young. We have the spirit metaphorically described as a bird hovering over water, right as something new and beautiful is coming into the world. And then in the scene with Jesus, we have Jesus coming up out of the water and the spirit of God hovering over him right as this new, amazing 
thing is about to happen. The scene of Jesus' baptism is this really tender and beautiful moment between the Trinity. Jesus is there. The Spirit is there. God, the Father, is there speaking. This is my Son, whom I am well pleased, in whom I am well pleased. It's this really beautiful, like, really soft, caring, loving moment. And it's followed by the strangest transition. Um, This story is also told in Mark. And so we're going to read immediately after this story, this beautiful tender moment of Jesus coming up out of the water. We read immediately in Mark, Mark chapter 1 verses 12 through 13 says, At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted or tested by Satan. Now that doesn't sound that stark or jarring to us because it's just then the spirit sent him out in Matthew's version says the spirit led him out into the wilderness but that word sent Jesus being sent out into the wilderness in English doesn't really convey what's going on here in Greek Uh, the Greek word here used here literally means to drive out it's a really forceful like uncomfortable word It's the same word used to describe in in the Greek version of the Old Testament. Um, It's the word that's used to describe Adam and Eve being sent out of the garden. It's the same word used to describe um, Jesus driving demons out of people. It's the same word used to describe Jesus clearing all the animals and people out of the temple courts. It's not a fun, warm, tender word. At its most intense, it means to violently cast someone out. And in its gentlest terms, it still means to sternly compel one to leave. So either way, it's a far cry from this tender scene that immediately preceded it. One minute, the spirit is like a dove, this symbol of gentleness and peace. There's this harmony and beauty in what's going on. And then the next, the spirit is forcefully pushing Jesus out into this harsh, harsh climate, out into this really challenging, inhospitable, painful, and dangerous place of the wilderness for 40 days, at the end of which he'll be tempted or tested by the devil. So what's going on here? Why is there this sudden shift? From what we talked about two weeks ago, we know that the Spirit's role is to draw out purpose and meaning to bring order to our chaos, to lovingly coax out our full potential. What's happening here in the story that we're looking at is just, this is just the next phase of parenting. The spirit is driving Jesus to reach his potential. It's still the same work that the spirit is about. And that requires pushing him into this really challenging, risky setting where he'll be tempted and tested and refined, uh, where he'll learn uh, to trust God to new depths where he'll grow into the person that changes the world over the next three years. That's what the spirit is doing in this story. It's ratcheting up its job of driving Jesus to reach his potential. That's what the spirit does in the story. And it's the same thing that the spirit does in our lives. It's just the next phase of parenting. If you remember in Genesis one, as I already kind of talked about it, it alluded alludes to the spirit of God being like a mother bird brooding over her nest. If you stick with that bird metaphor, 
after a while, that mother bird is going to have to teach her, her babies how to fly. Do you know how that happens? Up to this point, the mother bird will go and find food and returns to the nest and puts food directly into her baby's mouth, which is gross, but it's life and nature and wonderful. Um, eventually, slowly, every time the mother bird comes back to the nest to feed her young, she starts staying further and further away from the nest, forcing her babies to get out of the nest and come out to meet her in order to be fed. She's forcing her young to risk. And sometimes that means that she's far enough out that they have to try to fly to her. And sometimes that means that they fall and they have to struggle to get back up to her. And eventually, as she moves further and further back and they try this over and over and over again, they learn to fly on their own and eventually leave. If she didn't do this, if, if birds did not drive their young out of the nest, they would be content to stay there forever. They'd never realize any deeper meaning or purpose or potential for their lives than just waiting around to be fed. They would never learn to fly. We're a lot like baby birds, or I can say at least I am. Um, we tend to seek comfort for ourselves and the people that we're responsible for. If or when we find it, we tend to want to stay where it's comfortable. It's just natural for us to want to stay where we're comfortable. But if we're going to grow into the people that God created us to be, if we're going to join in the work that God is doing, we're going to have to be driven out of our comforts by the Spirit of God. Our life's work requires discomfort. It requires pain. It requires uh, testing and refining. It requires learning. It requires failing and trying again. It requires us taking risks that make us uncomfortable. But risks that are necessary for us to grow and reach those new levels of potential. I mean, if you look at the book of Acts, which comes right after the four gospels about Jesus's life, it's a book about what takes place in the uh, immediate aftermath of Jesus's resurrection. It is a book full of the Holy Spirit. And it is specifically full of the Holy Spirit driving people to do things or asking people to do things or compelling people to do things that they really don't want to do in their natural state. Driving them to do things that are uncomfortable, that are risky, that are challenging. Things that they would never do on their own. It's full of the Holy Spirit pushing humanity to take risks and realize our God-given meaning and purpose. Maybe you have experienced that at times in your life a moment when you feel compelled towards this risky decision, when it almost feels like you know you have to do this risky thing. Even though it's not the surest, it's not the safest, it's not maybe even the smartest direction to go. Maybe that's taking or leaving a job. Maybe that means starting or ending a relationship. Maybe that means uprooting your family and going to a new place and starting over. Maybe that means moving halfway around the world to Hungary to teach people English. Some risk, some sacrifice that you are being compelled to take. I think oftentimes in those moments, that is the spirit leading us, driving us towards new potential and new growth.
That's what the spirit does. It pushes, it drives us outward to grow. We have to be willing to take the risks that are being put in front of us. We have to be willing to follow the spirit's lead. Now we can resist this, right? We can stay in our comfortable little bubbles, never causing a a scene, never making waves. That's what I'm trying to say, never making waves. God's not going to force you to learn how to fly. But again, it is not a coincidence that the times when you feel most alive in your life, the times when you feel closest to God and most aware of his presence, his spirit's presence, are those times when you are taking risks, when you are pushing outward and forward, even when it's difficult and painful and challenging and hard. Those are the moments when we know this is what we're supposed to be doing. When you're taking risks to join God in inciting love and reducing suffering and increasing joy, when you're taking risks to leverage your gifts, like Trevor talked about last week, um, when you are taking risks to be generous with all the resources that God has entrusted you with, these are the things that the Spirit pushes us towards. Now, a few things, a few caveats, I guess I should say. I don't think the spirit driving us outward into potential risks, I don't think this is something the spirit is just constantly doing to us. I don't think it means that you need to constantly be in this uh, position of risking over and over and over again. I think this is something seasonal. It's cyclical that we go through. We have seasons where the spirit is pushing us and growing us and maturing us, and then seasons of, of rest and recuperation and rebuilding. I'm also not saying that all risks are good. (laughs) There are things that are risky that you should probably not do. Definitely not do. Um, There are risks you should not take. Knowing what is risky and something that you should move toward and something that is risky because (laughs) you shouldn't move toward it, that takes discernment, that takes wisdom. To some degree, that takes trying and failing. But that discernment and wisdom are things that we can rely on each other to kind of test the waters and find out and help us sift through. That's why community is important. We can bounce these ideas off of each other. Like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this really risky thing. What do you think about that? I know for me, the times when I'm, I don't know that I'm ever certain (laughs) that this is something I'm supposed to be doing, but the times where I'm confident that is the spirit leading me, is when it feels this, this mix of like, this is dangerous, but this is also really exciting. And this is gonna be really hard and require a lot from me, but I also for some reason know that I can do this. So it's seasonal, not all risks are good. <laughs> it takes discernment and wisdom. That's what I'm, those are the caveats. What I am trying to say and what I hope you leave with tonight is that one of the roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives is by pushing us forward toward growth, even uncomfortable, challenging, wilderness growth. And that often requires us to take risks. So don't be afraid of risks. I'm saying that probably more to myself than anyone else in the room. Don't be afraid of risks. They could be the Spirit driving you toward deeper purpose and meaning maturity and a fuller life. The life that God created you to live. And tonight, 
we get to recognize, honor, and celebrate Haley taking one of these risks that I've been talking about. Taking the risk to step out in faith and follow the Spirit's lead. To allow the Spirit to drive her down a joyful but certainly challenging road. So Haley, would you join me up here? Tonight we are commissioning Haley as a missionary of TNL to Hungary. God has a purpose and calling for each one of us um, to serve him with the gifts that he has given every single one of us. And so tonight we are remembering that calling by participating in, co- in the commissioning of Haley to the missionary work that God has set aside for her. So uh, Haley, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about uh, how you came to this decision and, and kind of what you will be doing out in Hungary. Right. Um, yeah, that was a good word about risk. I feel like my fear of failure has been dug up from <laughs> deep below. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, but yes, so I am super grateful. Um, it's really nice to hear being that I'm being sent as a missionary from TNL. That's kind of surreal. Um, so I'm grateful that you're all here. Um, But yeah, how did I get here? That's a really excellent question. I feel like I am a very notoriously stubborn person, but somehow God has nudged me all of the way here. Um, Back in 2016, I did Youth with a Mission. I did a discipleship training school, and I was a brand new Christian at the time and had no idea what I was getting myself into. But as soon as I got there, I said, I am never gonna become a full-time missionary. I met all of these people that said, oh, I was called to be a missionary when I was like five years old. And I was like, oh, that's that's cute, good for you. <laughs> uh, that's not gonna be me. And slowly but surely, uh, it's just been kind of this snowball effect ever since then. I also told God that I would never work at a church. I had no desire. I have been working here for one year. (laughs) So um, God has really challenged me in a lot of ways. But when I was sent to Hungary on my outreach, I felt this really, really strange attachment to that place. Um, It's obviously a post-communist country. It's very cold and dark and there's a very high suicide rate and a lot of depression and just a lot of deconstruction from being under communism. But for some reason, this place really held a special place in my heart. Um, And I, going forward year after year for the past six years, somebody would ask me, oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do after seminary? Even when I met Shana, the former teaching intern, the first thing she asked me what I wanted to do, and I said, oh, I'm probably moving to Hungary in the fall, and she was super bummed because she thought that she had just made a new friend. Um, (laughs) But this has been a really consistent burden, Um, and still up until this past year, I did not want to work there as a missionary, and if I did, I wanted to have a stipend and a job, Um, but really TNL has already played a role in how I have become a full-time missionary raising a support salary. Um, Back, as you know, when we did the um, fundraiser a couple of months ago for the International Christian School of Budapest, 
I was researching this for us, and I asked a lady at the school, how can TNL Church be praying for you? What can we do for you? And she said, we're in great need of ESL teachers. Do you know anybody? And I was like, shoot, that's me. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of how I ended up here. And I will be teaching English language learning to the fifth through eighth graders at the International Christian School of Budapest, as well as eighth grade New Testament. Um, I also said that I would never teach middle schoolers, and God had a different plan. So. <laughs> that is definitely risky. Um, so how can we, as you're over there, how can we best be supporting you and caring for you? Yeah, so one scripture that has really played a big role in my ministry partner development journey is from 1 Corinthians 3. It says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's fields, God's building. So I recognize that I am the only one physically leaving but that does not mean that you guys don't also play a really large part in this journey. In fact, you have already been a massive answer to my prayers. Um, about a year or so ago, or actually during COVID, I was praying about going to Hungary and I said, God, I feel like it's time, I feel like it's time. And he said, no. And I was really confused as to why. Um, but I can see now all of this work behind the scenes that he's been doing. Um, and one of those things is bringing me to TNL Church through Shana, giving me a job here to get some classroom experience. I had absolutely none. Um, trusting me with your children has been a great honor. They're all amazing kids that I will miss very much. Um, but yeah, I think that the continued prayer and support for these children and just being an extension of the work and the love that's going on here um, to me and to all of these kids in Hungary um, is going to be a huge blessing. Um, your work here is just as important. And I recognize that it is a risk in sending me. You guys have to trust me. You have to trust the Lord. And you, so many of you are risking, you know, giving financially. Um, which is such an honor and a blessing. So thank you. Uh, elders, could you come on up here? Um, Haley, while they're coming up, I'm going to ask you a few questions. And uh, if you agree with each, please say I do. If you don't, we'll have to have another meeting, but I think it's going to be okay. Uh, do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ communicated to us by God through the scriptures to be the way of salvation and life for all who believe? Do you believe that the Spirit has called and is maybe even driving you to represent Jesus in Hungary as a missionary of the gospel? And do you recognize this congregation as your commissioning church? Awesome. So, TNL, this is a two-way street. This is not just Haley committing to these things. So, TNL, do you recognize Haley uh, as a missionary of this congregation sent to, uh, <clears throat> to serve our God in Hungary? And do you promise to support her with your love and encouragement and prayers? If so, say we do. We do. That's right. 
Um, we're going to pray for Haley as part of this commissioning. I've asked Brandy to pray for her. Father God, thank you so much for Haley. Thank you for bringing her to our community when we needed a teacher. Thank you for her heart for kids and the way that she's taught our kids so well um, about your word and about your love and the way that she has been love and joy and light. Thank you for her ability to be a calming presence, um, especially in a world where I think that's really needed. So as the church sending her out, we just pray that she would be a light, that she would be a calming presence, that she would reflect you and your love to the people of Budapest, Thank you for the school that she'll be working at and all the students. Um, they're really lucky. Um, I just pray that she would build some beautiful new relationships and put down some roots. We just pray that your spirit would empower her and equip her for the work we pray that you would comfort her in the times that she misses home. And I just pray that you would bring her to our minds and our hearts. Lord, that as we think of her, we'd pray just a quick prayer for her and for the kids that she's serving. Thank you that we get to be a part of your work through her. Thank you for trusting us with your gospel. We love you so much. Amen.